0: Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the How to Code Well podcast. It is Thursday the 19th of May and today we're going to be talking about remote working and why I believe that it's not a one-size-fits-all perk in the software engineering space. Before we talk about that though, let's get on to the changelog. So the PHP login course has finally been tagged at version one. What this means is that we've now done five months worth of hard prep in terms of building the course testing the course and writing documentation for the course so this is now ready for me to record and there are some things that i want to get in place before that happens so we're probably looking at several months before that actually uh sees the light of day the other one is that the registration course that we're building the new one that is uh going quite well and we've almost finished all the sequel for that uh that is where you log in you uh, from a registration. So you register, then you log in and then you can change your uh, user information and delete your user account. So most of the SQL is done, which is brilliant. And uh, we are now, we've now got to a point where we, we are going to be writing some tests and actually, you know, writing some documentation around those areas. There's certain things that I need to do with that registration course around building the controllers and the views. Uh, this is a framework free course. So I'm literally building my own framework in PHP around that. And that's something that you'll get and I'll teach you how to do that, uh, in that course. So that's really good. Okay. Let's talk about the mono repo, uh, and the build pipelines cause that's progressed. So I've now got Cypress testing working in a headless space. Through the GitLab runner, um, which is really good. It's quite slow, partly because a it's running off of uh, my own development machine, which isn't great because I'm developing it whilst I'm testing it, which isn't fantastic. This is why I need a separate se- machine here, server or whatever. I've mentioned that before, where that runs. Um, and also partly because I'm actually doing it through the development environment in the sense that it's using the symphony dev ENV. And so there's a lot of, you know, caching and stuff that isn't in play. So it's not production ready as in, it's not building to production. It's not building in the sense, like it would build a production box. And the mantra of acceptance testing is that you really need to, um, run acceptance tests that match as closely as possible to production. And it's not doing that yet, obviously. So once those things are in play, I'm hoping it's going to be nice and quick or quicker than it is. Um, I'll be showing all of this off on the streams as well. Okay. So what we're going to talk about today is the remote working and why I believe that one size doesn't fit all. And I can talk about it from my experience from a senior point of view, because I've always been a remote developer as a senior developer. So I can, I can talk about it from that perspective. I can't talk about it from the perspective of a junior developer. I can just make some assumptions. And if there is any junior developers listening to this and they've gone through the whole process of coming into the industry As a junior developer and being a remote developer as well, I would love to hear from you. So if you can get in touch, go to howtocodewell.fm forward slash contact and let me know what your experience is. That would be great to hear. I can just make an assumption and that assumption based on how I was as a junior developer would be that becoming a remote dev first is going to be quite challenging. And that is because that a, you haven't been a developer before, uh, or you have, but in the sense of you were studying to be a developer, but you haven't been a developer in the professional sense. So that's barrier one barrier two is that you've never done any remote working before. So that's, that would be quite tricky in my opinion, to be comfortable with the workload and the team and to get an understanding of the roles and responsibilities without actually being around people, um. <laughs> it's very easy, I think, as a remote dev to just sort of, you know, go offline, do your own thing um, and, you know, just f- go into a little rut. And when you're in person, it's 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 uh, less easy to do that, maybe, because you have, you're around people and it's easier to ask questions, I feel. Um, it's easier to have that confidence, I think. When I was a junior developer, for instance, I was comfortable in the fact that I was sat next to people who were better than I was in senior positions. And therefore I could ask them questions. And we've spoken a a lot before about my experience uh, as a junior developer in that sense. But I think that um, it helped me a lot more because I was around the team and I could see them. I could see their body language. I'm not just seeing just their face. I can, I you know, I can walk up to them. I can talk to them. I can sit by their desk. You can't really do that in a remote space or there are barriers, shall we say? Yeah. I mean, there's pair programming that you can do in remote working fine, but there are, it's not, it's the barrier of entry I think is higher. Um, because you have to get over the, the, the fact that you you need to ask the question and you're new here. So there's a little bit of anxiety and, you know, because you're working from home, that can get quite, in my opinion, I feel that that can get quite in the way. But again, I'm talking from an assumption because I've been a remote worker when I was a senior de- developer. So I got over all of that stuff. So I can just make a clear assumption there. So if you are a junior dev and you've, started and you were, and you started out as a junior dev as a remote developer, and you've never been working remotely before, I would love to hear from you. So how's forward slash contact. Let me know your experience and your thoughts. That'd be great. So moving on to the next point, depending on the job type and the project, I believe that one can actually work around the meetings and the work or sort of live around it. I mean, And what that means is that um, there are certain things that um, you can do that uh, you wouldn't be able to do if you were to commute in, for instance. So back in the day when I was a full-time dev and I would commute and it would take, you know, one to two hours of commute time there and back. So, you know, it could be up to three hours. It could be four hours of the day wasted, just sat in front of a steering wheel, essentially going crazy fast down the motorway to get to a a sit-down job to then come, return, do it back the other way. Um, That in that time, there is a lot that you could actually get on and do when you're working remotely, which is brilliant. And I also find that when I'm doing things offline, so when I'm actually not at the screen, I'm thinking about maybe the solutions to the bug that I'm dealing with, or the architectural problem that I'm having, or... A question that I want to pose to the team. And I'm trying to sculpt that into my head. I can come up with all of those weird and wonderful solutions when I'm loading the dishwasher, when I'm lo- mowing the lawn, when I'm putting the laundry out, you know, th- there are certain th- benefits to having that time away from your desk. And personally, I would find that if I had to go into the office nine to five now, I would actually find it quite claustrophobic, I think, because I I don't have that space in my, for my mind to expand and grow. And I mean, that could be as, as small as just staring out the window and seeing the trees, seeing the garden, seeing what's grown, you know, in the garden Um, and then coming back in and think, and then going, oh yeah that's how you solve that problem. Um, If I was in an office and I was just surrounded by desks of people working, I would find that I think quite claustrophobic. And that's that's the benefit of being a remote dev. I've been a remote dev for about eight years. So I've got used to having that ability. But also I think that there is a trust challenge as well. And I think that there is a greater trust challenge when you are either new to the team or you are a junior dev, um, especially if you haven't done uh, remote working before. So this is going back to my assumption, I suppose. But I think that there's been a, a bit of a challenge to the man- to managers because it's, it adds an extra level of trust, right? To be able to trust that the team is actually doing the thing that they need to do and they're not actually wasting time. But in the space that we're in, In the software engineering space, there's a lot of tools out there that I would like to think that everybody is using that will give some visual feedback as to the state of the project at any one time. So here I'm talking about, you know, agile Kanban boards or sprint sprint reviews, um, you know, retros. I'm talking about in terms of the technology, I'm talking about Slack notifications that have, um, you know, pull requests that have uh, merge requests that have... Um, you know, bug fixing and announcements and pinned notifications and all of that stuff, webhooks that fire off whenever you commit code to a specific branch and stuff like that. There are a lot of tools that we can use and and can sort of lean on to show where the state of play is. Uh, So when it gets to the point of a meeting, Everybody kind of has an idea as to where things are um, and how the sprint is going forward. But I think, as a software engineer, we are very privileged to be in the to have the ability to do remote working. Remote working is something that not a lot of industries can do, like straight away. They they had to put in all sorts of things in place for that to happen. Um, so I think that we are quite in a quite privileged spot. And also how we go about our work is actually um, very well suited, I feel, to remote working. So for example, what is the most important um, meeting that you have? I can say that the most important meeting that I have is the uh, the sort of the scrum meeting the the stand up at the start of the day because that's the time in which i can say that there is a blocker or that there is you know we we've, we've moved one ticket into this other column and which means that a tester needs to look at it obviously i would let those the people who need to know know before it, that happens right so i won't leave it for the next day in order to discuss that so for instance if something is blocked then i will put it into that column flag it and tell someone that it's, that's the thing, and then bring it up again in the, in the, in the, in the standup, obviously. Um, but it, it just allows the whole team to just get together and discuss the state of play, the current state of play of that particular day, what they're working on, what, okay. So what they worked on yesterday, what they're working on today, what they're blocked, you know, what's going well, what's not going well, that kind of stuff. Those sort of levels of discussion are really important. Call it a a stand-up, call it just a meeting, whatever you will. Those are really important, and they're very tailored towards what we do, right, as software engineers. And if you've got a a Kanban board or whatever board that you're using where you've got a, a, a list of prioritized tickets, everybody knows that you just pull one from the top, and it's off you go. You don't need to be handheld, you know. You just get it done. (laughs) You just get it done. So you don't have to have a meeting every time a new ticket comes into play, unless you want to have a meeting every time a ticket comes into play, depending on, you know, if you, if you're picking up a ticket and you're unsure about stuff. But most of the time, you know, all of these things have been pointed, all of these things have been discussed prior to it. Well, they should have all been pointed and discussed prior to them being in the sprint and therefore... As software engineers, you can just pick one from the top or pick the first one up from the top because it's highest priority, work on it, move it across, work on it, move it across. You know what the, the points are, you know how many days are left. That's all visual things that we've got. So software engineering in a roundabout ways puts us in a very privileged space because they're the tools that we're playing with. That's what we do. Um, and you don't need to be, in my opinion, in an office for that to happen. However, going back to the juniors, going back to the people who haven't experienced that yet, because I mean, that's a whole side of software engineering that you probably won't get taught at university. So if you came into the industry and then you're, you've landed this, seen this Kanban board and you're like, what do I do? Sometimes it would be easier to have that uh, onboarding session in person. Okay. So, um, what I would do as, um, so I, am going to talk about some, some, uh, what to look out for, what to, what to do kind of scenarios now. So what I would suggest is to keep a separate room for your work. So this is something that is, um, that you can like literally this room here, I just close the door and I can just get on. There's nothing in this room that doesn't relate to my business. Everything in here is my business. And that's great because as soon as I'm in here, I'm in work mode. And as soon as I get out of that door, I try and get out of work mode and that's house mode. So you wanna have um, an area where you can uh, say, this is my work. And then another area of this is my house. Not everyone can do that, obviously. But one thing that I would definitely uh, recommend not doing is working in the bedroom. <laughs> or working in a space where you actually relax and chill out because that's just going to be very difficult. Um, Yeah, it's it's going to be very difficult to shut off. And that's a challenge when you're remote working is having that shut off time. A lot of people who started remote working due to the pandemic found it very difficult because they didn't have that space to shut off and they would use the commuting space to shut off you know, so they would, they would listen to music on their commute home. They would read a book on their commute home. If they were, you know, doing it through public transport or what have you, and that would be their time to just decompress. And there, you can't really do that here, obviously, cause you're remote working. So you would need to kind of find a way to do that. And when you close the door, that's it done. You are out of work mode. Um, it's, easier than it sounds. It's harder than it sounds, shall we say. I, I certainly haven't uh, mastered that one bit. Um, what I would also look out for are teams or companies that uh, want to put things on your laptops to make sure that you're working. So having the forced uh, requirement that you must always be on a VPN all of the time is a little bit of a red flag for me, especially if they are not, if the work that you're doing doesn't require it. So in some cases you could do some work on your own machine. And in some cases you can do work on their machine, right? So in some, in some cases I've been given a laptop with VPN access and stuff on it. And in some cases, I have my own laptop and I've needed to add the VPN and stuff. If they start dictating what software that you need to have on your own laptop, that is a bit weird in my experience. Um, But obviously, if you're given a laptop and you're in the sort of the enterprise space, then maybe you have to um, just adhere to whatever things that they got guidelines that they have and their IT support and stuff and don't go off and install your own bits and pieces, you probably have to request, go through some sort of level of service desk to make a request to say if you can install some bits and pieces. I've been on both sides. So I have, um, I've been given a laptop and I've been using my own laptop for work, right? For, for, for many different clients. And so it's, it's very, um, it can be very different. Um, it depends on the level of flexibility and it depends on the project, but if they start requiring things for like, you know, cameras must be on at all meetings, in my opinion, that's a bit strange. That's a bit weird. Um, because one thing that remote working gives you is that ability to actually become, uh, if you're an anxious person or if there's something going on in the background that you don't want to show to everybody else who's on the call. You know, for instance, I have two dogs and they are constantly running about. I mean, I'm not always in this office (laughs) when I work. I'm sometimes downstairs um, looking after the dogs whilst I'm working away and they're running around, you know, behind me. And that's why I'm flipping on and off, off of mute. I mean, that's the Another thing is the mute button, right? You know, just thinking out loud. That's something that you would mute yourself when someone else is talking and when the background's bad, right? And then you would unmute yourself when you want to talk. But it's it's the same with background things. There are sometimes things just happen at home that you don't want people to see. So, you know, like often or not, this door will fly open. The dog will come in you know, and there is a mirror on the other side of that wall that can you can just see the state of this badly uh, tidied office. So I don't want people to see that. <laughs> so as soon as that door opens, camera goes off and um, I excuse myself and shut the door. Or there could be other things. You could have, you, you know, you could be working in an environment where you have children or you could have, you know, Pets or what have you. Um, It could just be really bad lighting. Um, But having the requirement that all cameras need to be on is a bit weird, in my opinion, because you're kind of, you know, it's like, no, I don't want that. (laughs) Um. So it's it's also this is a this is a weird one. Well, it's not a weird one, but something that I've learnt is that it's up to you to respond. Um, so if you get a message and if you're... So I always found it awkward when I was in a office that when someone came to your desk and asked you a question, right? Um, you would kind of need to respond there and then. Um, and I always, as someone who asked the question, I would find that quite tricky. I would always, email them to say, have you got five minutes? Can I just come down and and have a chat about this thing? And then um, if they hadn't replied, uh, I would, or, or, you know, replied in a certain time, I would take that as they are incredibly busy. Um, I would try and email them over phoning them. Um, Sometimes I phone them and they would say, look, I'm super busy. I can't be dealing with this right now. That's cool. That's fine. Um, you know we're all busy. I would go for the email route first because that would be kind of like a uh, you're giving them the option to respond. So with things like Slack, if you don't get a response straight away, don't get offended. they are incredible they are probably incredibly busy. but it also means that you have that power too like if someone sends you a message, you don't have to respond immediately. Right. If you are in the zone, if you're working on this thing, I've done it before, where it's like you, you just want to be have distraction free. You just want to get on and do this really difficult task. If someone is sending you messages and you're getting lots of notifications that can build a little bit of anxiety. So what you can do is put yourself offline and just get the thing done. Put yourself online and then deal with all of the messages um, that you've got. Uh, maybe give yourself a portion of the day to to, to do all of that stuff. I don't know. It really depends on what you're building uh, and your, your, your team, but you have the power to, to do that, to respond. Um, now, obviously if you're new and obviously if you're, uh, like if you're a junior developer or if you're new to the team, so you can hear the dogs going off now, um, it's going to be something that you want to just jump on. If someone asks you a question, then you want to be re- seeing as responding quickly. But if you've been given a very difficult task, it's always, it's okay to either say, can I get back to you soon, sooner than later, or, uh, you know, just go offline and, and put yourself as busy or something. I've done that before. Um, but always be polite. And always remember the tone of the text. I'm dyslexic, so I'm often editing my posts um, that I put, and I, and I do sort of stress over my the language that I use. I don't want to come across as I, I don't I don't want anything to come across as sort of um, nasty or uh, you know out of the blue or what have you. Um, also, I want to make sure that the technical side of things that I talk about are correct. And um, so I'm often going over the, the the message again and again and again in my head, um, and making sure that the tone of the text is correct and that I'm not I'm not uh, being rude or anything like that. So there, that's my talk on remote working and why it's not a one size fits all kind of perk. And I'm calling it a perk because interestingly enough, when I um, started out as a junior developer the positions that i was finding they would have remote working as a perk air quotes perk and now it's just it's just standard um so yeah it's the it, way the the pandemic has changed all sorts of things and remote working is one of them Um so yeah if you're a junior developer and you've experienced Uh, onboarding as a remote dev and it's either gone well or it's gone badly, let me know how to code well.fm forward slash contact. Thank you ever so much. Happy coding everyone. And I'll see you again next week. Cheers. Bye-bye.